I want to ask you guys, uh, what do you like to do after you've had a really busy season in your life, like maybe with work or with school, something very grueling, something very stressful? Um, what do you like to do at the end of that thing? You can shout out answers. Rest? Say it again. Eat fried chicken? Eat fried chicken. <laughs> sure, I, I, I would co-sign on that one. Did I hear vacation? Ding, ding, ding. That's the one, yeah. yeah I guess you could rest and eat fried chicken on vacation, too. Um, but yeah, most of the time, if, if you're coming to the end of something like that, uh, oh, just a busy, grueling season, you, you're like, we're going on vacation. We're going to relax. We're going to rest up. Um, and so we've just come through Holy Week uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And th to say that this was just kind of like a busy, grueling season for Jesus would be a massive understatement, right? We know that it wasn't just a week that Jesus went through. It was a whole three years nonstop of his ministry. Um, and then finally it culminated with this, this horrific week of suffering that he went through for us, going to the cross, dying, rising again. Um, I would not blame Jesus if at the end of that, if he just woke, if, you know, he came out of the tomb on Easter morning and went directly to the beach and just said, that's it, I'm retiring, I'm done. Kick my feet up, soak up some rays, eternal vacation on the beach. I would not, I would not blame him for doing that. And it's kind of funny because we, we may be wondering, um, you know, what does Jesus do after Easter? What is he up to today? Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is risen and active in this world right now. You may wonder, well, we don't see him, um, you know, after, after his resurrection in the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't see Jesus, quote, on screen very much, right? It's pretty much resurrection, and then boom, the book is over. And then you get to the book of Acts, and he's in there for like 11 verses, ascends into heaven, and we don't... We don't hear that much about him being active anymore. You know, we hear about him a lot more, right, in the New Testament. But, but there's, there's three things that I want to point out to you to show um, that Jesus has not entered some retirement or some lengthy vacation, that he is still active. He's still up to stuff in the world today. And those are some things that happen right at the end of those Gospels or even into the book of Acts. First one is, Jesus, having risen, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing, teaching. So he says, you know, I've got all authority now. This is what we're doing. You know, I finished one phase of the mission on the cross. I provided forgiveness of sins, taken away the sins of the world. Now we got to go deliver this forgiveness of sins through the message of the gospel. And so he invites people like us. To join him. More on that in a little bit. Jesus also says, he does not just say, go out there and do these things. Uh, he says, I'm going to be with you always. And we take that to mean in all circumstances, um, but I, I take great comfort in knowing even in, the, in that missional discipleship process, he is with us there as well. And then you know, he ascends into heaven and you think, well, maybe now he's retired. Maybe now he's not doing anything anymore. But then you go to Acts chapter 9, and Paul, the guy we named our church after, right? He's, he's going on the road to Damascus. The risen Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his horse, and says, hey, Paul, you're on team Jesus now. You're going to be making disciples. You're going to be starting churches. So Jesus is risen. He is active in the world today. He is bringing 
his kingdom. He is bringing the kingdom. That is his mission here in this world. And so it's fair for us to ask them, well, what does the kingdom of God look like? What does it look like? When I hear kingdom, I'm kind of a history nerd, so I hear kingdom and I think of like the Middle Ages and Europe and all these like boundary lines of kings and everything. Um, don't think about that when you think of the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. Because it's, it's less of a physical location. Don't think of boundary lines, geography, things like that. Think about the kingdom of God being wherever Jesus is the king. Wherever he is active wherever he is bringing redemption and restoration. That's what the kingdom of God will look like. And so you think, well, what, what does it look like then? You know, give me some more information, Pastor. Well, in one sense, for people that already follow Jesus and know him as their Lord and Savior, the kingdom of God looks like kind of like what's going on here this morning, right? God's people gathered together, singing his praises, babies getting baptized, people hearing the word of God, the Holy Spirit working through that to bear fruit in us, um, that's wonderful. That's one sense of how uh, the kingdom of God looks. But what about for those people who, who don't know Jesus yet? What does the kingdom of God look like in their lives? Or is it even near them? Is Jesus disengaged from such people? Or is he up to something, even in the lives of, the, of those who don't know him yet? Well, there's a a book um, that were, Pastor Josh kind of kicked us off talking about it last week. It's called Joining Jesus on His Mission. The author of the book is a Lutheran pastor. He's going to be here in two weeks. He's going to say all kinds of things better than what I'm saying today, probably. Um, but there, I've been rereading this book again, and there's a chapter, and it's called What Does the Kingdom of God Look Like? So I shamelessly stole that title for my sermon today. And, and there's a line in there that really struck me, and this is, this is what Pastor Finke Says He says, the kingdom of God will usually look like human need. Might strike us a little bit strange to hear that. The kingdom of God will usually look like human need. Basically, what he's saying is this. We don't have to wonder where Jesus is. Wherever there is human need, there, that's where Jesus will be. Jesus comes to bring the kingdom, and he comes to seek out people who need him. Now, we all have a ton of needs, right? We could make a list. I've got, you know, emotional needs and relational needs and physical needs and spiritual needs and all other kinds of needs. And sometimes, some seasons of life, they're very significant and very urgent and other times maybe not so much. But, but Jesus has come not only to fulfill all of those needs, but he has come to, to fill the most urgent, the most pressing needs that we have, and that is the need that arises from uh, our sinful condition. The fact that our sin stands between us and God, and we need him to redeem us. We need him to restore us into right relationship with God. Jesus says, I'm going to take care of the whole person, but immediately I have come to go to the cross and rise again and take your sin away. But now, Jesus is, he can be found wherever there is human need. So, all, so Jesus is inviting us to come with him, and he really all, the pressure's on Jesus. He's the king, he's the leader, he's the expert, but he's inviting us to join him in this mission to bring his kingdom, to bring the good news that he has for all people who have needs. 
And he really just kind of tells us to just notice what he's doing, to look around, to see what he's up to, right? If you see human need, you can be sure Jesus is already there ahead of you. And then you just stop and pray, Jesus, if, if I'm meant to be a part of this, show me, show me what, I, what you're inviting me to do. It's a powerful thing as we, as we consider. We, we may be a little bit intimidated sometimes hearing about how, you know, maybe we're supposed to be missionaries, right? Jesus is the leader, though, and he's going to show us what he has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, there's all kinds of stories that we could um, look at in the Bible to see examples of human need. I want to share with you uh, just one, though, and this is, this is a great story. This happened on Easter, actually, on the first Easter. Um, there were, you know, all Jesus' disciples, they, they were all worried, they were nervous, they, they didn't know what was going on. Jesus died on Friday. Um, their hope, they're in despair, right? Their hope is gone. And, uh, and so, but then uh, some women say that the tomb was empty, and, but, but people are kind of doubting themselves. Like maybe, that's maybe just wishful thinking. Maybe I'm seeing visions because that's what I want to happen, but now I'm like separated from reality. And so they're still very confused, very fearful. They have great human need. Two people then are walking, two disciples who had followed Jesus. They're walking uh, from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. Uh, it's about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And wouldn't you know it, Jesus joins them. They don't know it's Jesus, though. Luke tells us, you know, the readers we know, kind of wink, wink. Uh, it's kind of funny because they're explaining all the events of Good Friday to Jesus, like he hasn't already been there, right? Um, and then, um, they're, but they're like, yeah, we've, you know, we thought we had... Uh, hope in this guy, but then he died, and now we're all confused and scared, and Jesus gives them a Bible study to show them what's going on in the scriptures, and finally, they get to their destination, they get in to have dinner, and then it's revealed to them that this is Jesus, and then immediately, he disappears, but now they know that the, the dead Jesus is alive again, and they remember, these two guys remember, hey, we've got 11 buddies in Jerusalem who are really in need right now of some good news. So what do they do? They, it's like almost, you know, they're almost time to get ready for bed, right? And they run back the seven miles to Jerusalem. They say, didn't our hearts burn within us when Jesus was talking with us on the road? We gotta go right now and tell them. This cannot wait till the morning. So Luke tells us they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So they're already talking like we're here that Jesus is alive. Simon Peter saw him but then these two guys come in and they have their own testimony and then finally they're like, yes, this is actually true. And all that despair and doom and gloom evaporates. Jesus is there with them. He's up to something giving them some good news. And then they, they went out and they told everybody else about it. My prayer is for us as individuals and for us as the body of Christ here in this place that, that God, uh, just like he gave these two guys, they said our hearts were burning within us when they were with Jesus, just like he gave them holy heartburn, that's the technical term for this, I pray that God will afflict us the same way with holy heartburn that is centered on love and care and concern for our neighbor and a desire to accept the invitation that Jesus gives us to be with him on his mission, to go out and to share this news, this good news 
that addresses and answers every human need that is out there. May God grant this burning in our hearts to us, and may he help us to see where and how we can join Jesus on his mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to stand now. Uh, we do, we've got one more song that we're going to sing. Uh, but first, in keeping with all of these wonderful um, scripture passages from the book of Psalms, we have a blessing from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you.